Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Our reading this morning is going to be from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in chapter 3, looking at verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Eturia, and Tetranitis, and Licentius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Christmas this year, actually it was some months ago, uh, John and Michelle uh, let my family borrow a puzzle, a magic puzzle. And uh, we had so much fun, we, we got the girls another one for Christmas. And I have a picture of, uh, of the, I'm going to ruin it for some of you, but of the completed one. It was just really, really fun. It was like a, uh, a big puzzle, quality pieces. They fit together so nicely because we've done a lot of other puzzles that are cheaper. And th- this was just, it was just really fun. Uh, magic puzzle. Just a, a really good time. I just wanted I just wanted to tell you how much fun we had puzzling. And, uh, you know, if you're like, I want to know more about that, you can ask me later. But uh, uh, we, we had fun putting this particular uh, puzzle together. We're also going to come back to this puzzle. All right. So this is an abrupt shift. We, we can take that off now. You guys have got it? Great. Do we need to see it one more time? Let's look at it one more time. Thanks, Kara. <laughs> Just kind of take it in, right? You see it. I can point over here as well. A magical land. I think this one was called the Happy Isles. All these different islands with different sort of themes. And the deeper you get into the details, it was really fun. And, uh, you know, this was a great experience. A really, really rich puzzle experience. Comes with like a seek and find. I mean, it was just really, really fun. All right. So you got it? All right, we'll set that aside. So I want to suggest to you this morning, we're, we're, we're telling or looking at the story of Jesus in the, from Luke, uh, Luke's gospel. And as we've said before, uh, Luke gives us a lot of like prelude, um, narrative prelude, not like kind of beautiful prologue like John's gospel, but really sort of stories that kind of prepare us for the arrival of Jesus. And we saw it uh, through the Advent season, these songs that are sung as a part of the Christmas story. We saw it last week. Uh, we, we saw it even in that he starts with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist. He doesn't even start the, the, the story in, in their adult lives with Jesus. He starts with John the Baptist. And that's where we pick up uh, this morning. But I want to suggest to you that I think in all the Gospels, really, to varying degrees, John the Baptist is a bit of a puzzle. Yes, you see, right? Right. Uh, he's a bit of a puzzle that people uh, in the story, in the, in the narrative sort of world of, of the different gospels, each of them, people oftentimes don't know what to do with John the Baptist. The crowds like him. Many uh, like what he comes to preach. And, and, and in Luke, even that holds true. But, but for many, there is this like, challenge over, well, well where, where does he fit? Right? He's a part of a tradition we know, prophets declaring the word of God. Um, he, he's, he's familiar, anticipating 
anticipating God's coming in a, uniquely in a person, a Messiah, all, all these kinds of things, God's intervention for his people. Those fit within sort of the stories they would know. But when, when he shows up, uh, John even is, is just hard to play. So we see it in our uh, reading this morning. So what we're going to do, uh, I wanted Tyler to read 38 verses. Uh, and you guys are saying, thank you for only letting him read six, asking him to read six. But we're going to take the story of like 38 verses. The, um, uh, the length of my sermon won't correlate uh, to that length. But we're going to take the story of all 38 verses and hopefully land on, on what I think is sort of uh, what it suggests to you is, is uh, a theme throughout the sort of broader story that's, that Luke is giving us as he prepares us. Uh, for Jesus, as John is in, in Luke's gospel and others, but explicitly in Luke, a forerunner, one who would prepare ahead of time uh, people for the arrival of Jesus. And in that story, so we get what Tyler read for us, sets the stage historically, uh, quotes some Old Testament scripture to kind of uh, prep us as readers. This is a part of a story that has gone before. And then, uh, then in this passage, which we didn't read, he takes us into the wilderness with John. And John is preaching his message, and he's baptizing all kinds of people, as we'll see in a moment. And then in that moment, Jesus shows up, and Jesus himself submits to John and is, is baptized. It's this beautiful moment that we'll consider again briefly in a moment. And then Luke takes us right from there, which uh, where he goes next, what he chooses to tell us is the, is the family tree of Jesus, which is interesting, as we'll hopefully observe again in a moment. That, uh, and this is, we're going to look at this sort of story as Luke has given it to us. But, but where we start, I think, one, is that John is a bit of a puzzle, and we, we see it. We didn't read it, but in, verses, uh, in verse 15, so a little bit deeper into the story, this is what it tells us. All the people, in response to what John was teaching and preaching and baptizing, they were in expectation. And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. Maybe he's the one We've been waiting for uh, John again, uh, as he does in, other, uh, in his depictions in other gospels, uh, quick to deflect and, and make it clear, no, 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 like uh, there is another who is coming um, and uh, he is who you are looking for and, and waiting for. Uh, John, again, I think a bit of a puzzle, even in the way he's presented in what Tyler read for us. So Luke is not just marking it historically uh, in the beginning of chapter 3, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, so forth and so on, and names and uh, all these things. Like in, in all of these details, right, he's giving us sort of the, the, uh, a historical marker, but also I think a kind of cultural like, um, uh, description of, of, of the spheres and places of economic power, religious power, uh, political authority. He's gonna, uh, in the moment and in the place where all of these things are, and then he takes us immediately into the wilderness where all those places are not, and, and we bump into the word of the God came to John, the son of Zechariah, not here in all these halls of power, but in the wilderness. Right. And again, I, I, just in all of this, I think we bump into this feeling or, or the sentiment perhaps that Lucas uh, um, and others have made clear that there is this challenge around John. Like, what do we do with him? Where does he fit in the story? Where does what he preaches and who he is and his eccentricities, where, where does he fit in, in the story? He's a bit of a puzzle. Well, I, I want to suggest just a couple of observations sort of as we sit with the whole story of, of uh, this section of chapter three. 
Um, and I, I think we start with that sense. It's clear in Luke, among all those questions, it's clear that he is an, a forerunner, uh, an one who will anticipate by his actions, by his message, by what he preaches, by how he lives. He will antici anticipate, even, even in his story as it unfolds, a, a sort of precursor on a smaller scale to the things that Jesus himself will, will teach, will experience, uh, will call people to. And, and it's that call that I uh, want us to start with this morning. And the first observation I, I want to make, is, I think, is, uh, I think is, is the uh, message of John the Baptist. So where he starts is a simple one, and it's, if I could use sort of modern-day uh, vernacular, like, this is us. That is his message in the wilderness uh, this is this is us, he says. All of us. That 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 his message doesn't uh, sort of pay attention to any other kind of pedigree. Uh, the message is the same. Uh, this is us. This is all of us. And to all of us, he says, repent, Re repent. The call from John the Baptist to anyone who will listen is is your hearts and lives are aiming in the wrong direction. Uh, forgiveness of sins, the hope of God's visitation in the world, all of that uh, tied to repentance. Uh, the, the, there is this admission, this confession that, that this is us. I, the, the language with which he starts, so again, we didn't read it. We get all of this sort of historical background, this promise that God is in the wilderness where he's been before, speaking through John the Baptist, and John steps up on, in Luke's gospel, and his first words are, you brood of vipers, <laughs> Right? All right, man. All right. Who's ready for Jesus? You know, uh, he, he begins with, with you brood of, of vipers. I, I remembered a, uh, an interview I heard with Stephen Colbert. I think it's the late show that he does. Uh, but he was talking, he was asked sort of how does he prepare, you know, for the recording of the show uh, in terms of all the information, but also like engaging with the crowd. And every night before the taping, he, he does a segment with his audience, uh, just a sort of, you know, just a chat, just a, a conversation where he comes out before they start recording and uh, as he tells a story and kind of engages with them. And in that segment, he, he always tells the same joke. Uh, he tells the same joke every time, and, and it's a good joke, he says, and uh, it allows him to gauge, based on their response, he knows sort of what he's up against uh, during the taping of the show. That if they respond, like warmly, he knows this is a good crowd, this, things, I won't have to work very hard to kind of draw them out, but if, right, the response is flat, he's like, I, I got my work cut out for me tonight. I, I think of that feeling when I hear, uh, you know, John the Baptist sort of preparing people for Jesus, and the way he does is, you brood of vipers. <laughs> All right, Jesus, the floor is yours, right? Um, an interesting sort of feeling or moment, but what he does in this moment, I think if we could use another image, what he does in this moment is that he says, uh, as he speaks to any and all who will come and listen, the call is the same to repentance. What, what, essentially what he says to you and me, if we could use another image, is that we're all in the same line. We are all in, in the same Line. I, we see it in the passage. So verses 7 through 9, the, 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 as he says, you brood of vipers, then he calls out, uh, he speaks directly to the children of Abraham, the sort of religious insiders for the world of Luke's gospel and the story of the Old Testament. He, he speaks directly to them. The call is the same to them, even to the children of Abraham. But then he moves on in verses 12 and 14, and, and we find that in that crowd are, are tax collectors, 
sort of um, people, again, a lot of, sort of cultural context, but uh, systems had been set up in which they could manipulate them to their advantage and take advantage of the people around them and to kind of line their pockets while they sort of served the, the people in positions of power around them. So then in that sense, sort of outsiders, people who maybe despise sort of the thumbs of their overlords, and here are people working on their behalf, claiming perhaps to be a one of us, and yet lining their pockets at our expense on behalf of our enemies, right? And, and, and to them, uh, John the Baptist says, repent. The call is the same. And, and then soldiers, uh, sort of the physical arm of enforcement of this whole system of brokenness and manipulation and corruption. And, 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 and John speaks to them and says, the call is the same. Repent. Because uh, uh, what John, I think, is saying is that we're all in the same line. But I think the reality is that we are really, as humans, really, really good at, at telling others to get in, in line. And, and maybe in those moments, we, we mean the back of the line that we're in. Maybe we mean a different line altogether. You don't belong in this uh, line. Your line is somewhere over there. And John the Baptist, his message in this moment says, well, actually, actually, children of Abraham, tax collectors, soldiers, and everyone in between, you're, you're all in, in the same line. Right, the call to all of us is repentance because we, we are all uh, broken. This, he says, this is us, all of us. John's message, I, I think it's worth noting on this particular weekend, is resonant. It's, it's, it's resonant with the themes of a voice that we celebrate uh, this weekend. Uh, a voice, Martin Luther King Jr., who challenged uh, the same tendencies and brokenness, brokenness in, in our hearts, uh, quite literally, the, the move in us to want to put people in different lines and assign them to lines other than our own, uh, resonant with the same kinds of, of themes. I mean, listen to what John says to the crowd. What, what do we do? What do we do? Okay, this is us. We're a brood of vipers. What do we do? He says, well, if you have two coats, two tunics, then share with someone who has none and do the same thing with your food. Tax collectors, he says in verse 12, come to be baptized to him. And he tells them, like, what do we do? And he says, well, don't take more than you're authorized to do. Quit exploiting the system to your own advantage. Soldiers, what about us? What do we do? You need to repent as well. Don't extort money from anyone by threats or violence or false accusation. Be content with your wages. It is, it is an interesting tension on this particular weekend, I think, to hear the message of John the Baptist again that is surprisingly personal, but also uh, corporate, right? That, that John's call is certainly personal. It's a call to you and me and his listeners then to repent, to turn, to change, to live differently, to, to, to commit to align our lives with God's purposes in the world. But at the same time, John in this moment undermining challenging all the broken and unjust systems of his day where power and greed and corruption that had characterized them would lead to the unjust and unfair treatment of other people. And John in this moment, pushing against the human tendency in all of us to put people in all kinds of lines, John says, well, wait a minute, buddies, right? Wait, this is us. We are all in the same line, all broken and in need of repentance. This is us. There is good news here this morning. He's like, man, it's cold, it's snowy, it's a holiday weekend. Matt, what are you doing, right? Well, I'm, 
I want to invite you into the good news of the gospel because I think John says, you have to start here. This is us. This is his message. This is us. But then we, 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 we hit a turn in the story, verses 21 and 22. If, if this is us, the picture that we get in the story of, of this moment in John the Baptist's life, life we, we see in the next moment that this is God. And he points to Jesus. That in this story of, of John's message, we, we find this, that when all the people, verse 21, were baptized, and Jesus himself had been baptized, he was praying. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Maybe you know the story, right? You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. John the Baptist sort of laying the groundwork, trying to move everyone to the confession. This is us. Our hearts are broken in need of repentance. and That brokenness is expressed in all kind of broken ways in the world. This is us. But now in, in the midst of that message, we find this moment. Jesus shows up and, and they point to him with an affirmation from God the Father to God the Son. Uh, this is God. This is God. He is here. That if we're all in this line, and if there is another line at all, there's only one person uh, who was sort of capable and worthy of being in that line. And this is him. This is the one whom God says, my son, and whom I am well pleased. God the Father to God the Son, affirming in that moment for all that would read ever after and in that moment to know that there was something uniquely different about this person, that, that this is us, but this is him. And in this moment, uh, again, I think it's a tension here, it's a contrast. We're in the wilderness, we're far removed from all the halls of power that have been described in the opening of the chapter, and yet here in this moment, in the midst of a message like we've heard from John the Baptist, a call to repentance, we find God, the Father, addressing the Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It is, I think... Um, I think a moment where the promise of the verses that uh, Tyler read for us starts to find expression. So, so in those opening six verses, the last few are a quotation from Isaiah in the Old Testament, a hope that things would be different. And in that hope is the promise that, that things that are elevated will be brought low and, and things that are lowly and, uh, and humble will be elevated. And then the, the ending of that promise, the hope that uh, all flesh would see the salvation of God. And I, I want to uh, encourage us to perhaps consider this morning that we see that in this affirmation of Jesus Christ and in what follows. The salvation of God in the wilderness before is a story that we've heard over and over again, really, throughout the Old Testament brings us to the hope of the promise that we find here. What will it mean? What will it look like for all flesh to see the salvation of God? And here I think is where we, we, we land in the, sort of the gospel hope, the good news of Jesus Christ. That as Luke has told us the story, John is very clear, this is us. We are all in this line, but this is God as he points to Jesus. And then he moves us into the hope, keeping our eyes on Jesus, telling us this is God with us. Right, if this is us, this is who we are and broken, and this is God. If anyone ever sort of deserved to be in a different line, it's him. And yet, in this moment in the story, he pulls us into the gospel truth that, well, in fact, as you continue to look at Jesus, he's not just God, he is God with us, with you, with me. I think we, we, we hear a bit of hope, we see it 
a couple of ways, and one is his baptism. That Jesus in this moment submits himself to John's baptism, this message of of brokenness and the need for repentance. Uh, Jesus, uh, of all people, could have avoided this particular moment. This is not a place he needs to be. And yet he, he, in this moment, identifies with us and submits and is baptized by John. But not just his baptism. It's also in the next sort of chunk of verses, the genealogy that Luke gives us, the story of Jesus' family tree. Uh, we won't read all of it, much to your sort of gratitude, I'm sure. You're like, oh, thank you. But just the last uh, line, this is where he finishes that family tree in, in Luke's um, telling of it. Verse 38, uh, he's worked his way back, 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 back. And then he gets to the son uh, of Adam, the son of, of God, which is an interesting place for him to take that story right off the heels of Jesus being baptized by John affirmed by God the Father, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. And, and now, immediately, Luke takes us into sort of the, the, the earthy side of Jesus' story. Uh, it takes us all the way back to Adam, the, the first one where things went so terribly wrong, where, where brokenness and, and all of the things that John is addressing sort of uh, find their root and their the expression as they continue to grow throughout the, the history of humanity, and yet Jesus will align himself with that story in this moment, not only uh, nudging us towards our brokenness, reminding us of who God is, but in that moment, hitting us with the truth of the gospel that I am with you. If, if, we, if we keep the uh, sort of same imagery of the lines, it's Jesus saying, uh, well, well, actually, I'm going to come stand in line with, with you. I, uh, I want to take you back to the puzzle, all right? We, we left it abruptly. We're going to return abruptly, all right? So, uh, so, so it, it's a magic puzzle, right? I, I know it's a, it, you could tell just from looking, but uh, so a bunch of pieces in a box. We're putting it all together. My, Jess, my wife, uh, you know, she was glad when we were done because I cannot multitask, right? It's out. It's on the table. Every time I enter the house, I have to walk by. So you lose me for like 30 minutes. Just any time I enter or leave the house or things get quiet, she comes downstairs. She's like, oh, but you're, but, but you're over the puzzle. I thought you were, I don't know, feeding the dog or some other important thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I was. I'm headed that direction. Give me another 20 minutes. Just got to find this one piece, uh, it just doesn't, but it's fun. I enjoy it, and uh, I call it quality time with the kids, right? Uh, but with this, this magic puzzle, which, uh, again, is kind of fun, so you put it together, and you think you're done, but then there's this envelope of secret pieces. And uh, if, if you're in the middle of working on one, I'm sorry if I'm ruining it for you, but I think you can still enjoy it. So uh, you, you finish, you think you're done. Well, then you open this secret envelope, and it gives you some instructions. And I have a picture here of sort of what happens next. You're going to watch it visually. Uh, so the, you separate the puzzle, right? And then you rearrange the pieces, and it opens a hole in the middle. And the, pu- the pieces in that envelope now fill in that, that hole. I think I have the next picture here. Uh, and, and so this was what filled the hole of this particular puzzle. And then you can fit it all back together again. Uh, you guys, I can, you're the, the look of astonishment. Uh, you're, you're, uh, this, is, this is up there with my favorite Christmas tune, right? Um, 
right? So this, this, so this experience, right? You think you're done with the puzzle. You think you know where all the pieces fit. And then it separates. You rearrange some things. It opens a hole in the middle. And in this particular puzzle, what fills that hole is a giant monster squid with very sharp teeth, right? And suddenly, all the images around that center make a bit of sense, right? There had been, uh, we're kind of putting it together. You didn't really think anything of it. Like everybody was having fun on their happy aisles. Well, well really, no. They're under major threat from a, a terrifying monster in the heart of, of the sea. Um, I want to suggest to you that John's message to us this morning is that that same monstrous squid lives inside of all of us, right? Uh, that, 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 uh, that the message we hear in the story of, of John the Baptist in Luke's gospel, and hopefully if you don't remember anything else from this morning, you will take this with you, that, that, uh, that in, in your heart and mine is a, uh, again, metaphorically speaking, a giant sharp-toothed monster squid at the center of our lives. And some of you are thinking, Matt, right, I can believe that about my tantrum-throwing toddler, right? <laughs> no doubt there is a monstrous monster at the center of this moment. Some of you, maybe you're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, you don't have to convince me of that about the difficult person in my workplace, right, uh, who has made life really challenging in all sorts of ways that are uncomfortable and tangible and unfair, uh, you don't have to convince me of that. Or maybe you're thinking it, uh, maybe you're not thinking it, but if you were okay confessing it, like, you don't have to convince me, Matt, my unreasonable spouse, you bet, right? Monstrous, uh, scary squid at the center. But John the Baptist's message in the wilderness then and in Overland Park now is that that is true of you and me. See, we're okay, like, oh, yeah, no doubt, that line over there, but me? And John's message, his baptism says, yes, in fact, all of you, you brood of vipers, right? The imagery has changed, uh, but the, 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 the reality is the same, that John moves his audience, now you and me, towards this admission that at the center of our lives, uh, is a scary, ugly squid, right? That, that, that at the center, uh, oftentimes, if, if we are honest, the center of our lives is uglier than we care to admit, messier than we want others to know, scarier than we're often willing to confess. John says, this is us, but the gospel that we see in the baptism of John and in the story, his baptizing of Jesus, the message of John and the story of Jesus is that uh, in the middle of this confession, this is precisely where the good news of John's message and Jesus's life meets us. That it's at this sort of scary center where the salvation of God meets all flesh. The messy, broken selfish, sinful center of our lives and all the places that sinfulness gets expressed in the brokenness of our world, that it is precisely there where Jesus steps in and says, I will stand in line with you, with you. I will take all of that brokenness and I will work salvation. This is the hope of the gospel. As we see it in the story of John and the life of Jesus, to move all of us to that first confession, this is us. This is us. We are broken sinners in need of forgiveness, 
call to repentance, this is us. And as we look at Jesus, we say, oh, this is God. And in that moment, feeling the distance, we, we are met with the good news of the gospel that he is with us. He's with you and me. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.